apologize to uh, Fairview Memorial. Uh, we've not been able to make uh, all the lessons due to uh, things at the church and uh, uh, the work there in Guatemala. Uh, but the times that I have been here and those that I've listened to, uh, I thought we had another song in between the prayer and this, but uh, I guess I didn't pay Casey enough. <laughs> if we get this opportunity again, we'll make sure we remedy that. <laughs> uh, our lesson tonight, the topic that's been given to us is Leah, Jacob's first wife. Um, without uh, taking a lot of time to read a lot of scriptures, we encourage you to go back and read. The majority of what we're going to be looking at tonight is found in Genesis chapter 29. And, uh, but I do want to read one verse of Scripture because I believe this is pretty much where uh, the life of Leah as far as uh, it is concerned from the scriptural standpoint and the things that took place with her, between her and Jacob and her and her father and her sister, uh, begins uh, is with verse 17. Uh, Genesis chapter 29 Verse 17, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Uh, we all know the, uh, the history that is recorded in the scriptures, how that Jacob had met uh, uh, Rachel and how that he fell in love with her. Uh, and he had worked, uh, agreed to work seven years for uh, her hand in marriage. And he was deceived when he woke up the next morning. He realized that it wasn't Rachel, but it was Leah uh, that he had uh, married. And, uh, and so he spent another seven years working for Laban uh, for Rachel's hand. And we find throughout the scriptures that Jacob loved Rachel. Um, I mean, yes, Jacob loved Rachel, but Leah seemed to be despised. There's one place that is mentioned, and we'll look at it here in just a moment, where uh, that it seems that she was even hated or uh, despised by the people, by her family. Uh, Leah is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 16. Her name is mentioned 34 times. Uh, 33 of those times are in Genesis and once in Ruth chapter 4 verse 11. Leah seems to be remembered least among Laban's daughters and Jacob's wife. One reason is the Bible follows uh, a following of Rachel's son Joseph, though seemingly obscure from history, Leah was chosen of God to be a blessing to all men. And I hope with the help of the Lord, that's what we'll look at more tonight than anything else. Leah is described in, by the scriptures, verses 16 and 17 of 29th chapter of Genesis. Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender eye, but Rachel was beautiful and well favored. She was the eldest daughter of Laban. The Bible says that she was tender Um This description of her has been very difficult uh, to understand. Uh, in every place that I've looked, everything that I've tried to research concerning what this actually meant, it comes from the Hebrew word rakot. Uh, Brown's driver and Briggs uh, uh, interpreted as delicate, weak of eyes. Uh, Genesis defines it as the same. Uh, ancient Hebrew Dictionary defines it also as being weak. Out of all the definitions, it seems to have a connotation of being defective. This could mean one or more of the following. And from all that I have been able to gather, 
uh, on what this term means. This is what we have come up with. She could have had very poor eyesight. Uh, she could have had a lazy eye or, or been cross-eyed. Uh, her eyes could have shown uh, some form of weakness in her body as if she was sick. Uh, and another one that I found that it could have been glazed over, as we would think, with cataracts. I do believe from the context of verse 17 that it was some form that obscured her beauty. The writer declares, I believe this, with the following about Leah's sister. But Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Um, I believe that when we read the Scriptures, I believe that God understood that we would need uh, some hints or some explanations sometimes of, of why things were mentioned the way that they were. Uh, and with the, uh, with the separation that is given between Leah and Rachel, one being tender-eyed and, of course, Rachel being beautiful, well-favored, uh, it seems that it, there was something that mentioned concerning the obscuring of her beauty. Um, it does seem, or does not seem, that this description is meaning she was sick in body. Her health seems to be good, uh, allowing her to endure her life as a woman, spouse, and mother without difficulty. Uh, we don't find where she had trouble throughout her life. Uh, she actually lived to be older than Rachel. Uh, one of the things that we'll look at here uh, at the very end, one of the last things we'll look at, is even the place where she was buried. She lived to be uh, an older woman, to be an old age. So I don't think that had anything to do with her health. I don't think it had anything to do with her ability uh, to be what God uh, had desired for her to be. As stated above, Leah can be easily overlooked because of Rachel's story and the following of her son as a provider for all men. Of course, we uh, are talking about Joseph. Nevertheless, let's try to look at Leah and pray the Holy Spirit may reveal her to us. Before we go any further, I feel it necessary to state that it does not matter how the world may see us. We, are all, we all have a place in the work of the Lord. How we react to those statements that may be made about us or greatly influence the way that we serve the Lord. Care not what the world may say about you. Serve God in spirit and truth, and you will be blessed and made a witness for others. One of the hardest things about uh, living the life and this flesh and going through life is a lot of times we care too much about what other people think. And we care less about what God thinks. God has a desire for every person to do a work. And that's the desire that we should place upon our heart. Not how the world sees us, but are we doing what God would have us to do? Are we staying faithful and just allowing the Lord to use us as He would see fit? Uh, I want to look at a term called social social. Stratification. Uh, this is a type of sociology. Unfortunately, this is the way people judge others on who they are, what they can do, the value they are in society. Social stratification refers to the categorization of people based on wealth, income, race, education, uh, ethnicity, I said that earlier, gender, occupation, social status, religion, etc., this classification is a result of sin. Men no longer sees themselves as equal created in the image of God. Because of sin, people see themselves better than others and forget that we are all created after the similitude 
of Adam. And before we get very much into our lesson on Leah, I think it's important that we cover some of these things that uh, the Lord has laid upon our heart to help better understand uh, who she was. Uh, I think Leah, uh, I think Leah is a very good example of how God can use a person that has been despised and rejected to bring about the greatest blessing known to mankind. And hopefully we'll see more of that here in just a moment. We're all of Adam. Uh, no matter what the world may think, always remember that the person that may uh, cause you uh, harm or cause you heartache, they are a sinner just like you are. We're all after the seed of Adam. Uh, Acts 17 and 26, And he hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. This is, of course, Paul speaking to on Morris Hill. And hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. Malachi 2 and 10. Have we not all one Father? Have not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother by profaning the covenant of our fathers? Proverbs 22 and 2. The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of them all. Though uh, Rachel may have been well favored and beautiful, uh, I believe God sees us all the same. I do. Now I believe there's a distinction concerning the blood of Jesus Christ. I believe that those that have been saved, He sees them as His own. And those that have not been saved, of course, He sees them as those as unregenerated, those that have failed to repent of their sin and put their trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And in the final days, He'll separate those two. One into an everlasting kingdom where we will dwell forever with Him and then those that know not God into an eternal hell where they'll spend all of eternity. We're all sinners. Romans 3 and 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5 and 12, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Uh, verse 18 of the same chapter of Romans, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Every man is a sinner. All of these scriptures I'm hoping to uh, uh, elaborate in just a moment uh, that we're equal. And each one of us, I don't care what you think you can or cannot do, if you will just allow God to be prevalent in your lives, He can do great things with you. We have a, a, a blessing tonight. We have a lot of uh, young adults with us. And a lot of times I remember being very early in my ministry, uh, uh, sitting back and not thinking that I was uh, capable, and I still don't think that I'm capable, of being an uh, influence to others. But I'm fully confident that if God can take an eight-year-old boy and make him a king, if God can take the uh, people of this world, if He can do the things that we find in the Scriptures that He has done uh, with people that are just like you and I, then God can still do great things through us if we allow Him. Uh, I think a lot of times we need to be more like Peter. Uh, when we think about Peter and him walking on the water, a lot of times we focus upon the moment that he saw the waves and he took his eyes off the Lord. And he began to sink. 
Uh, but I'm telling you tonight, that man did something that only that I have ever heard or read in history that only one person else has ever done, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter walked on water. Folks, and what it was is he had a desire to do and to be with the Lord. He said, Lord, if that be you, bid me to come unto you. And the Lord said, Peter, come. And we don't read where Peter hesitated. I believe that he jumped out of that boat, landed just as he would on solid ground, but upon the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know what distance it was that he walked from the boat to the Lord, but he made it almost all the way there. And folks, that's something you can tell people about. I would love to be able to say that I walked on water. But I don't have that much faith. I know I'll sink. But you see, Peter did. Yes, he turned his eyes off the Lord, and we all come short of the glory of God. But my friends, there is a great opportunity for you and for us if we'll just stay faithful to God. He will go on to say, when we are saved... Each of us have a job that God has preordained for us to do. Uh, Ephesians 2 and 10. We know verse uh, 8 and 9. But verse 10 says, For we are His workmanships, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I believe that God saves us for a multitude of reasons. But I do not believe it's just to keep us out of hell. I believe he's got a job for every single person. And if I may be so bold to go just a little bit further, I believe that every child, man, woman that's ever been born into this world, saved or unsaved, God intended for them to do a work to bring Him honor and glory. I believe that. Now, I believe that the person has the right to uh, refuse the calling of God uh, and not seek after the repentance and put their faith in the Lord. But I believe that God has it in store for every man to do the works that He would prescribe. Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Be all that we can toward God, and not be bothered by the actions of others. God has promised to bless the works of the faithful. Jeremiah 29 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Uh, that word expected means a future and a hopeful end. Folks, that's a blessing to me. I might not be much in this world. But I'm thankful that God has a desire to use the insignificant amount of time that I have and the insignificant ability that I have that if, we, if I'll stay faithful to the Lord, He can use it for a better end. You see, God, we think about things presently, but yet the Lord sees things far beyond what you and I will ever see. There will be people that God will place in your life that you may never know the, the outcome of the witness that you may be to them. But yet down the road, years may go by. You may have been uh, uh, entered into eternity for several years. But yet God can still use them to do something of a great importance. 
it can help a lot of people. I am confident, very confident, that Stephen, when he was there and he was preaching and teaching uh, before the council, that he had no idea and really probably much concern about the one man that was standing there uh, with the coats at his feet. But yet he was faithful unto the Lord even unto death. And he spoke the truth and he allowed that uh, the will of God to be done in his life. But after that he was stoned, uh, some time had went by. And that message that, that that man heard was resonating in his heart. And one day when he was on his way to persecute the church, God got a hold of him around midday on the road to Damascus. And the Lord saved him there. And told him of all the things that he would suffer for the Lord's sake. But yet he, the Lord tells Barnabas, he said, But I have chosen him, or Ananias rather, for a great work, to be a light to the Gentiles. And the apostle Paul came on the scene. And he began to preach the gospel in all manners of places. And folks, I believe that we can say today that, I'm, that we should be thankful for Paul's, uh, for Stephen's testimony, for Paul's uh, testimony, uh, because it brought the gospel to us. You see, one little act can have a great effect upon millions. And Liz did. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I believe the Lord from eternity knew exactly what He was doing. I believe He saw the church 4,000 years before it was ever established. I even believe that it was prophesied back in the very beginning. When we look in the book of Genesis, after that Noah had come off the ark, and they had begun to repopulate the earth, we see a promise that was made to one of his sons by the name of Japheth. This is where we come from. He's the father of the Gentiles. And the scriptures even bear that out. But it says that Japheth shall dwell in the tents of Sham and shall enlarge himself and prosper. And what he's saying there is that Japheth would have a possession of the inheritance of Sham. And folks, today we have that, don't we? The Gentiles have the inheritance that was promised to the descendants of Sham. We have the truth. We're not Israel because of the circumcision of the flesh, but we are Israel because of the circumcision of the heart. We have been uh, grafted into that promise that God had made very, very long ago. And so God sees the future. He knows what's needed. And therefore, we should do His pleasure. And then, of course, Romans 8 and 28 and we know that all things work for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. What we know about Leah, I don't know if I should say anything about this, but I don't think that thing's moving. 
So does that mean I have unlimited time? Well, don't you just guess. Well, that's not fair. Try to be honest and see what it gets you. <laughs> Five minutes. <laughs> what we know about Leah. Leah was rejected. I can honestly say that there's one thing that I'm certain of. And it's not because of just the experiences in my life, the experiences in your life. We find it throughout all the scriptures. If you stay faithful to the Lord, the world's going to reject you. But they should. Jesus, when he was speaking to Nicodemus, he said, Light has come in the world. Why? To show forth the sins, those that are in darkness. But Jesus said, Those that are in darkness hate the light, for it reproves them of their deeds. They despise it. And if we're living the life that God would have us to do and, and to be, then we will be rejected by those of the world. But that's okay. Because there's one that will never reject you. And that's the Lord. Her father gave her away using deceit. I may be looking, I'm reading this, I may be looking too far into this, but it may have seemed to her that she was not wanted by anyone and that the only way she would be married was in this manner. Now, there's nothing in the Scriptures, and, and I don't want to read too much in the Scriptures, but yet there was a reason why Leah had not yet been married. She was the oldest. Uh, from what we can understand from the Scriptures, she was well in the age of uh, becoming a wife. But for some reason, whatever it is, I, I think it's the providence of God, but she had not married. And so I believe that it goes back to the sin of, of, of Jacob or uh, prior to this. But yet we find that uh, she is put off. She's given in a deceptive way uh, by her father. May have even been rejected by her sister, Rachel, envied Leah. In chapter 30, verse 1, this form of the Hebrew uh, Canaan, uh, used is translated into envied, often denote jealous anger. Genesis 30 and 1. And when Rachel saw that she bare Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Uh, it was very evident that Rachel uh, had a sense of indignation because God was blessing her sister and not her. And that hasn't changed either, has it? Uh, when the Lord's blessing and He's providing, there's always going to be someone that is going to be envious. And it shouldn't be like that. We shouldn't be jealous of the prosperity and the goodness of God. What the Lord does here at Fairview Memorial, He might not be doing at Mount Lebanon. But we should rejoice that God is being glorified. No matter where it's at. We're all independent bodies. We're all individual people. And it doesn't matter if one person may seem to have more success in the eyes of the world than what you may have. God knows what He's doing. It may be that we might be lifted up with pride. And we can't handle that type of, of recognition. It may be that God is trying to teach us a lesson and down the road there's something greater that's going to happen. We don't know this, and we shouldn't question this. We are to live by faith. And what does the Hebrew writer says? 
uh, about faith. He said, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I don't know what God's plan is. His ways are higher than our ways. But I'm thankful that He knows where we need to be, what we need to be doing, and when we need to be doing it. And it doesn't matter how God blesses someone else. There may be churches that are struggling. There may be works that are just barely hanging on. And folks, we need to pray for them. But we should rejoice that when the time comes that God blesses them, it should bring joy to our heart. Uh, When we hear souls being saved, we shouldn't be like, well, I wish we could see that here. We should thank God that He's still in the saving business. Because it gives us hope that He can, that we can see it here. We can see it at Mount Lebanon. We can see it at the other churches that, uh, excuse me, uh, that may not have had it or going through a dry spell, uh, as we say. But God has a purpose for every single thing. And we should not be jealous or envious of our brethren. She was rejected by Jacob. As I thought about this, I thought, man, uh, I'm glad that when Shanna married me, that this wasn't like it was when, when we got married. Uh, I might get in trouble for that later. She was rejected by Jacob. Jacob spent one night with her. And when he found out it was Leah, he ran to Laban. Leah was not even given time to be with Jacob until he married Rachel. Jacob married her sister a week after. Not for any other reason than she was not loved by Jacob. I can just imagine the feeling of hope of being with someone and being loved, having that uh, uh, maybe excitement that night, thinking I'm finally married. I've got someone that will love me. And then immediately the next morning, they leave. And they love another. She says, Then to be rejected must have broken Leah's heart. Those that should have been her most important people, her father, sister, and husband rejected her. There are several scriptures that we've thought about, but the Lord tells us this, doesn't He? He said, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Father against son, mother against daughter, brother against sister. You see, the gospel of the Lord, Jesus Christ, the service that He's placed us into, It's something that can cause a lot of heartache. It might tear our families apart. It might cause marriages to crumble. Especially if you have one that's saved and another that's not. But those that she desired to be loved and should have loved her the most rejected her. This caused her great affliction. In Genesis 29 and 32, it says, And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will love me. Even after she had a first son, she still had hope that she would feel, have that feeling of love from her spouse. Affliction can also be translated as humiliation or poverty. And as I thought about this, I thought that's probably very appropriate. She might not have been in poverty with food and things a lot of times we think of as poverty. 
But can you imagine her being all by herself every day in her tent with nothing but the Lord and her child? We'll find a little bit later after she has her sons, there's a streak where she has no more children. But then the Lord blesses her again. Her sons go out and pick her some mandrakes, some fruit. And Rachel comes and said, hey, I want them. And Leah says, okay, but you give me Jacob tonight. And the Lord blessed her because of that. She had to bribe her way to be able to spend time with her husband. Folks, there's a lot of times you'll be serving the Lord and you'll feel all alone. And you may be sitting in the midst of a congregation of your church peers. And yet the burden that God has given you will isolate you to where you think there's no one that can help you. And you'll struggle. Have you ever been on a mission field? Some of the ministers that are here, I know you've experienced this. Having to take off and to leave with absolutely no idea what God has in store. But I can promise you this. No matter where you go and what God places for you to do, He'll go before you and He'll make the paths wide open. You see, He'll never send us anywhere where He doesn't give us the ability to accomplish His will if we'll but just follow Him. I've heard people say, well, I just can't do that. Not with that attitude, you can't. But I can promise you, if you give your lives over to the Lord, you can do it. And God will help you do it. And it can be in any part of life. Leah was here and she was alone. But yet she stayed faithful unto the Lord. As with all of us, we desire to feel loved. Genesis 29 and 32 tells us, Now therefore my husband will love me. Genesis 29 and 33, she says, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. Genesis 29 and 34, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me. Genesis 30 and 20, Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. After six sons, she still desired that Jacob would show love to her, and yet was left wanting. As long as we desire the love from the world, we will always be disappointed. Yet there is one that will always love us unconditionally. And that's the Lord. Even when she rejected, she remained loyal. I know you've heard the expression, beauty is only skin deep. She might not have been a beautiful woman outside, but I believe she was a beautiful woman in. Her beauty was further thin. Despite her continued rejection, she was faithful to Jacob. When Jacob was meeting Esau, even though she had given him six sons, she was placed just behind the handmaidens. Now think about that. Jacob didn't even have enough concern for her to put her in the back. Folks, husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I don't think Jacob loved Leah that way. But he put her just right behind the handmaidens. And if something was to happen, if Esau come with an army and cause war, the handmaidens would go first and Leah would be next. That's how much love that he had for her. 
but yet she stayed faithful. And Jacob in verse uh, Genesis 33, 1 and 2, And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau came, and with him four hundred men. And he divided the children unto Leah and unto Rachel unto the two handmaidens. And he put the handmaidens and, the ch- and their children foremost, and Leah and her children after. And Rachel and Joseph hindered most, and yet she remained loyal in the face of danger. I, I, I don't know, I just sometimes I, I think too much, I guess, but I just imagine what it would be like to be walking. She's walking with her children. She's gave six sons to this man. And as she looked back, she sees her sister and the one son still way back there, protected. And yet, do you know God was protecting them the whole time? Because God had done something through Leah that we'll find here in a minute that will be a blessing to all. She was a woman of faith. She gave credit to God. Rachel blamed Jacob. Genesis 30 and 1 said unto Jacob, Give me child or else I'll die. Her firstborn son was Reuben. Verse 29 of Genesis uh, chapter, Genesis chapter 29 verse 32. Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. She gave honor to God. Second son was Simeon or Simon. Genesis 29 and 33. Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated, He hath therefore gave me this son also. Third son was Levi, Genesis 29 and 34. There is here no record of her praise to God. Fourth son was Judah, Genesis 29 and 35. Now will I praise the Lord. The fifth son was Issachar, Genesis 30 and 18. God hath given me my hire. This is after the fruit. And the sixth son was Zebulon, Genesis 30 and 20. God hath endued me with a great dowry or guilt. God blesses their forsaken. Uh, I've got down 20, uh, Psalms 27, 1 through 14. Encourage you to read that whole Psalms. But I want to take verse 10. When my father and mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Although Rachel's firstborn son is mentioned in the record of faith, Leah has two sons that will bring forth sons that will be seen throughout the whole Bible. Hebrews 11 and 22 tells us concerning of Rachel's firstborn son, Joseph. The third son was Levi. From this son came those that would be ministers to the spiritual things of Israel. Levi had three sons, Genesis 46 and 11. And the sons of Levi were Gershon, Kohath, and Merai. Gershon, we find in Numbers chapter 4, verse 22 through verse 26, that his descendants were in charge of the tent coverings of the tabernacle and the hanging of them. You need to leave that thing alone. <laughs> Merai. His descendants was in charge of the boards, the bars, and pillars of the tabernacle. Numbers 4, 29 through verse 33. In Kohath, his descendants were in charge of the furniture of the tabernacle. Also from him came the high priesthood. Numbers 3, 29 through 32. Numbers 4, 2 through 21. Though they never received their own portion of land, when the children of Israel conquered the land of Canaan, they received much more. I'm talking about the children of Levi. The blessings of being separated for the work of God and a foreshadowing of the Messiah. Folks, that's a great honor. And it was because their mother was faithful. The fourth son was Judah. From Judah came the kings of Judah, and above all else was the line that brought us our Redeemer. See Joseph's genealogy in Matthew 1, 1 through 16, and Mary's genealogy in Luke 3, 23 through 38. 
Genesis 49, 8 through 12 says this, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. He stooped down, he crouched as a lion, as an, and as an old lion, who shall rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. And unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine, and his asses cold unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine, and his clothes in the blood of grapes. His eyes shall be red with wine, and his teeth white with milk. Hebrews 7 and 14, For it is evident that a Lord sprang out of Judah, for which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning the priesthood. And then Revelations 5 and 5, And one of the elders said to me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book, and to loose the seven seals thereof. God does not see as men. 1 Samuel 16 and 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. I know he's talking about King David here, but I couldn't help but think that this exemplified Leah also. She wasn't beautiful to behold from what we can understand, but yet God used her in a great and significant way. We may not be seen as beautiful to the eyes of the world, but to Christ we are His most beautiful possession. Isaiah 62, 1-4 For Zion's sake will I not hold my peace, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest. And to the righteousness thereof go forth as brightness, and the salvation thereof as a lamp that burneth. And the Gentiles shall see thy righteousness and all the kings thy glory, and thou shalt be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord shall name. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. Thou shalt no more be termed forsaken, neither shall thy land any more be termed desolate, but thou shalt be called Hesabah, and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee, and in thy land shall be married. I don't know how much time, but I do want to say this in the ending. I hope that you will be encouraged to let God use you as He leads you. Don't worry. You may not think that you have the abilities of someone else. Don't let the devil use that to distract you from being a servant of the Lord. God can do great things through every one of us if we allow Him. God can use you to do much more than any of us will ever be able to do if you'll just stay faithful unto the Lord. The last thing, and I don't have this here, I meant to put it in the outline, but as I was writing it down up there, I can't remember who it was, that it's too late, it should be done. But in Genesis 49 and 31, it tells us where Leah was buried. If you would, turn there with me. In Genesis chapter 49, and you'll notice that Rachel's name is not mentioned here. And though Leah is not mentioned in the annals of 
uh, faith when we think about the 11th chapter of Hebrews. But beginning with verse 30 and reading through verse 32, or verse 31. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephraim, the Hittite for possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. Folks, you see, our reward is not while we're living. It's when we leave this world. What have we done for the Lord and for the needs of others? Leah didn't know that she was buried with the patriarchs, men and women of great faith. But there still today, I'm assuming her body still rests. And ain't you glad that one day that all that we've accomplished in this life, those that have been for the world is going to burn up when the Lord returns. But those things and those works that are uh, uh, precious stones, uh, jewels, they, in, they will endure the fire. And on that day, after we lay down this walk of life, we'll truly be able to reap the reward. And the greatest thing of it all is this. You might have more than I do. Hopefully I've got a few. But you know what gives me encouragement? It ain't going to matter who's got the most because it's all going to the same person. We're going to lay it all at the feet of the Lord. And it'll be for His honor and for His glory. Your life, let it be dedicated to God's glory, goodness, and will. God bless you, is my prayer. I still got 16 minutes left. Appreciate the good lesson tonight. Appreciate the words of encouragement. I think about the scripture over there in Revelations where it talks about their works do follow them. And uh, pray that we all get busy about serving the Lord. Appreciate Brother Mike. Appreciate the lesson tonight. I want to take a few minute break. I want to say this as well, that we got a, a plate here if you feel uh, obliged to, to put in offering to, to help our brethren along the way. So let's take about a 10-minute break. We'll gather together and, and have Brother Scott.